you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to uh, Job chapter 23. If I had to title the uh, message this morning, it would be, Where is God? God, where are you? Now, before you start throwing the songbooks at me, let's, uh, we'll get into the uh, text here. But uh, once you found it, if you would go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the word. You know, I was, I was raised up not to, uh, not to question God and all that. But uh, as we read the Bible, we learn that a lot of people throughout the Bible, a lot of people said, you know, they, they would come to a point in their life where they would say, God, where are you? And Job was one of those people. Job chapter 23, it says, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, talking about God, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my, my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No. But he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute within him. So should I be delivered for, for, forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward. He's looking for God. Behold, I go forward. But he is not there. And backward. But I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work. But I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, but I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. That's very important. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for another wonderful day in you, Father God. God, we thank you that uh, we have the privilege to come unto your house this morning to, uh, to learn your very word, Father God. God, I pray that you just, uh, God, I know that you prepared the hearts of each and every person here this morning. And God, I pray that you just uh, uh, help me to, uh, to deliver the message as, as you had delivered it to me, Father God. God, just don't let me mess it up this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. So Job is asking, where is God? He said, I'm looking for God. I think all of us pretty well know the story that... Uh, Satan was going back and forth, to and fro. And God said, have, have, you, have you tried my servant Job? So from that moment forward, everything in Job's life had changed. He lost his cattle. Somebody, come back, somebody came and stole all, all of his, uh, his livestock. Fire fell. And the fire had destroyed his flock. All of his children had died. Job was in a bad place. And as we read this, as we read this text, you know, it's easy for us because we can read this and we already know the outcome of it. We know that, that God gave everything back to Job, right? That's easy for us. But what if we're in that, what if we're in that position? What if we're in that situation? When we read this, it's, it's, uh, we, we become numb to things. 
And I don't mean to uh, blast social media, but I think social media has a lot to do with that. We, we see so many things on social media. What, at one minute, you know, we see, we see a, a laughing baby, and then the next minute we see disaster, and our brains are constantly going back and forth from this to the point to where, where we're numb. And it's easy when we read the Bible because we know these stories. We read it, and we know the outcome, so we don't take it to heart always. We don't take it to heart that this man had just lost his family. He lost everything that he had. He was in a bad spot. Most of us can't relate, and I thank God that we can't relate to what Job had went through. Job was loyal. Job had sacrificed for his children every day. He loved God and he loved his family. And he was in a spot where he was alone. He said, I, I, I went forward and I couldn't find God anywhere. I turned around behind me and I couldn't find God anywhere. I turned to the left, he wasn't there. I turned to the right, he wasn't there. I went north, I went south, I went east. God was nowhere to be found. But he knows where I'm going. And that's important words right there. No matter where you're at right now. You know, we know, we know the Bible says that God is near to the broken. He's near to the brokenhearted. And it's so funny because the times where we feel like we need God the most are the times where he's the furthest away, right? We've all been there. We've all been through, uh, through heartache. We've all been through brokenness. And, th and that's a word right there is brokenness. When we speak about God, when we, when, we, when we read his word, we're speaking spiritual. We're speaking spiritually. We'll use words like brokenness. We'll use words like uh, uh, been through the storm. Those are all spiritual words. That if you go out into the world and you say you're in a storm, they're going to look around and say, no, it's not raining. These are spiritual words. Brokenness. Brokenness is a spiritual word. And, and your brokenness is so important to God. God doesn't want to see you broken. King David said that uh, it's not incense that God wants. It's not sacrifices that God wants. It's a broken spirit it's a broken heart those are the things that God desires he desires you each and every one of you he desires you in the, in the beginning of this text Job said that he was bitter we've all been bitter and it's okay it's okay that we've been bitter you know when I hear the word bitter Forever, I'll think of one person when I hear the word bitter, and that's Naomi, uh, Ruth and Naomi. Naomi, whenever uh, uh, Naomi had uh, uh, her, her and her husband, they, uh, uh, Jerusalem was, was in a great famine. Her and her husband had moved their two boys to, uh, to Moab, and in Moab, her son, uh, Naomi's sons had gotten married, and then Naomi's, Naomi's husband had died. I know many can relate to that. Naomi's sons had died. We have a friend up the road here, a wonderful woman. She's a, uh, a school bus driver for Meadow Heights for a lot of years. And uh, her daughter was my wife's best friend. And they, uh, on, on her husband's side, they, there, there was a rare uh, disease. And, and ironically enough, this woman's name is Ruth. And she lost her, her daughter, which was, which was my wife's best friend. Uh, she later lost her other son. 
uh, at like probably in his late 20s, lost another son in his early 30s, and then lost their husband. You know, and, and, uh, and for me, being a man who trusts in God, I was like, God, how can you allow this? And Naomi, after she lost her boys, after she lost her husband, and like I said, it's easy for us to read this because we know the story. We know about the kinsman who comes along, the kinsman redeemer who comes along and, and, and he makes everything okay. But in that moment, we read this. If we don't know the story, if we don't know the ending, how her heart breaks for, for her, for, for Naomi, for Ruth, for losing her husband. Naomi was so tore up over it. She hears that, uh, that the famine has gone from Jerusalem. She makes her way back there. And as she returns, everybody's saying, is that Naomi? Is that Naomi? She says, no, call me Mara, for I'm not Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, because I am bitter. The Lord has, has, has dealt with me. I am bitter. You know, we think, we think being a Christian is just, a, is just smooth sailing. And if it's not smooth, uh, smooth sailing, then we feel like we've done something wrong. We feel like God's not with us. But all through the Bible, we have trials. All through the Bible, the Bible gives an example of person after person after person of trials. Trials and tribulations. And the good news is God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that brings us back to the question, where is God? Where is God in these times? And we all know the story of Lazarus. I'm going to get there one page at a time, so just hold on. You know, before we get to Lazarus, I just had a thought about something. Naomi was bitter, right? And there's so many times in our life that we're bitter, and we stay bitter. We hold on to things, right? And I learned a long time ago, probably, you know, when, when I was younger, I was probably in my late teens, and I, I was I was a, uh, a dopehead, uh, alcoholic, had, uh, you know, I, I, I was a menace to society. And my wife's grandpa would come and pick me up on the weekends to take me golfing. That was, uh, he, he's, he's a strong Christian man. I love the man to death. And he's seen a need. He's seen somebody hurting, somebody broken. So he would come by and pick me up on the weekends, take me golfing. I was probably strung out. I was probably hung over, whatever else. We love golf. Me and my wife later, we, uh, we joined um, a, a golf league in, in Perryville where we was number one for the whole year and all that stuff. We, we loved it. And something I learned about golf and this goes to this. This uh, this works for a lot of a lot of things. But in golf, man, if you want to hit that bar that that ball 300 yards, you don't you don't tighten your grip on the club. You don't you don't grip it as tight as you can and get up there and swing. It's funny because the, the 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 looser your grip is, the further the ball will go. And sometimes in life, we go through things. And we try to grip it as tight as we can. We try to hold on to it as tight as we can to the point to where we're bitter. To the point that God can't even work in our circumstances because we're not allowing him to. Because we're so bitter. 
John chapter 11, if you want to turn there with me. We're going to read a little bit. This is another very familiar story. You know, and we think about God. You know, everything has to be perfect, right? I mean, we, we think that, uh, that, that everything is just smooth sailing for God, that, that God doesn't have any emotions. God, God doesn't hurt. God doesn't mourn. God doesn't, God doesn't care what we're going through down here. You know, we feel like that sometimes. And the Old Testament gives us the character of God. It, gives us, it shows us the, 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 uh, the love of God. And the New Testament brings that love to life. John chapter 11 says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. This was Jesus' best friend. This, this is, if there was an inside, if there was a circle, if Jesus had a circle, this was his circle right here. These were the people inside. These are the people that Jesus would go to, to go to their house and just hang out on the couch, you know, talk, spend some time together, enjoy life. These are those people. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou, thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judah again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then he said to his disciples, Lord, or then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they, but they thought that he had spoken, uh, spoken of taking, taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. I'm going to stop right there a second. You know, we, we read that and we think, what in the world? He's, he's glad he wasn't there. His best friend was sick. He could have he went there. He could have healed him. He could have laid hands on him. And he's glad that he wasn't there. He's glad he wasn't there to save his life. Right? Y'all's getting quiet on me. Amen. Verse 15, and I, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may, you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, I love Thomas. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. What a guy. And then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. 
Now Bethany, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to, came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. That comfort's so important. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had, would, would have not died. See, Martha is saying the same thing that Job was saying. We're, you know, during this time, during these four days, they sent word. They sent word to Jesus. They knew that he was nearby in a nearby city, and they sent word to him. They knew their only hope was in Jesus Christ. Amen. And I can imagine the, the, uh, the runner, the messenger that they sent to go find Jesus to say, Hey, your friend Lazarus is dying. We need your help. You know, and, and, then, and then the runner comes back, the messenger comes back. And Martha and Mary sitting there as Lazarus is in his bed, dying. And I'm sure they keep looking at the messenger. Did you find him? Are you sure it was Jesus? Are you sure it was Christ? Are you sure you found the right person? As Lazarus is laying there dying, taking his last breath, I can imagine he's got the death rattle going on. You know, we know the end of his story. So it doesn't mean a whole lot to us. We, we, we can't, we can't experience, experience their anguish, their despair that they was in their brother. You know, this is a close family. They, they all lived in the same house. And they sent for the one person, the one person that they had hope in. And Martha said, had you been here, our brother would not have died. Verse 20 says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, and went and met him, but Mary, Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Amen. You know, sometimes we, uh, in, our, in our storms, there's another spiritual word, in our storms, sometimes we expect God to do certain things for us. We, 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 uh, sometimes we forget that, that God's ways are not our ways. Sometimes we forget that uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes we forget that we don't know what is best for our, for our life. But God does. God has a perfect plan for each and every one of us here. And if things would go the way that we wanted them to, just like with, uh, with Mary, with Martha, if things would go the way that, that we wanted it to go, man, what a blessing we would miss out on. What a blessing we would have missed out on if Jesus would have came, if he would have healed, if he would have healed Lazarus as he was laying dead, or laying, I'm sorry, laying sick in the bed. What a blessing we would miss out on as we, as we read this text about Lazarus. Lazarus is a, is a known name in every, in every household. There's movies made about Lazarus, the Lazarus effect. Had Jesus came, had Jesus touched him, had he, had he healed him, this wouldn't even exist to us. But God always has a plan. And though sometimes it may feel like our life is out of control, sometimes it may feel like that, uh, you know, that, that God's not near, even though his word said he's near to the brokenhearted, even though sometimes we feel like that. Believe me when I say God has a plan for you. 
Verse 23 says, Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that abideth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believeth thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said, she went her way and called Mary her sister uh, secretly, saying, uh, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the, into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then, or I'm sorry, the, the Jews then, uh, which were with her in the house, and comforted her uh, when, when, they, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, follow, uh, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, same thing Job said, same thing Mary said, or I'm sorry, Martha, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, where have, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. And I want you to understand something. Before you understand that, I, I, want, I want to tell you something else. Jesus, when he went into Jerusalem, it's a, it's a very, very popular, very popular day for us. But whenever, whenever Jesus had went into, into uh, Jerusalem for the great triumph, you know, they, 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 the Jews acknowledged him as king for once. It should be a wonderful day. It should be a beautiful day to all of us. And the Bible says that, uh, uh, that, that, that uh, Jesus had rode in and, and they're, they're, uh, they're laying down uh, uh, palm branches. They're, they're laying down their clothes on, uh, you know, to give him the red carpet uh, uh, invitation, the red carpet uh, welcoming. And the Bible says as he was riding through on his donkey that he wept. Now I want you to understand something this morning. There's a difference between crying and there's a difference between weeping. When somebody weeps, it comes from their soul. It comes from the, from the innermost parts of their, of, their, of their being. Jesus didn't just cry as, as, he, was, as he was entering into Jerusalem because he, because he knew that there was no peace there, that, that it was hidden from him. Jesus wasn't just crying because his friend Lazarus was laying there dead. He wasn't just crying because, uh, because he'd seen the Jews comforting his friends Martha and Mary. He was weeping. Because Martha and Mary was weeping, the Jews were weeping. When I was 16, my grandpa had, had passed away. My grandpa Hicks on my dad's side. And I'll never forget the image of, uh, of, of what, what weeping really is. We had, the, we had the funeral. And at the end of the funeral, we, uh, we all went out. It was, it was a church similar to this, and we all went out the doors 
And my grandma was left in there with my grandpa as he laid in the casket, still open. And I remember looking through the window in the door, watching my grandma, wishing, wishing that I could go in and comfort her. I'd never experienced anything like that before. I didn't know how to comfort somebody into death. I didn't know how to comfort somebody when they lost their husband. And I stood out the door watching her through the window. I think the Lord's speaking to us. Yeah, amen. But I seen my grandma weeping. And my first thought was, oh, my Lord, she's going to pull the casket down because she was laying on top of my grandpa, you know, kind of sideways in the casket. And all I could see was her back shaking because she was weeping so hard. This man had been her life for so many years. For better, for worse. And as I watched, my grandma had fell to the floor, still weeping. And that's when I learned that there's a difference between crying and weeping. And we think that God is, a, sometimes we feel like he's an insensitive God, that he's sitting, sitting on his throne and, and uh, eating grapes and all this other stuff, that he doesn't care about us. But I want you to know something. God knows very well what you're going through. The Bible said he knows each and every hair on your head. He knows the plans that he has for you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine sending your son to a world where he would not be respected? He would not be listened to? He would not be heard? There would be no compassion for him? He would be spit on? He would be mocked? He would be whipped. I want you to imagine your son for, for, for just this moment, maybe even your daughter, your child with a good heart, your child with innocence, your child who only wants to do good for the world. And you have to sit there and watch them as they, as they endure the, the, all the abuse that the world has to offer. And I want you to know something. The world has nothing at all to offer you. Nothing but destruction. Nothing but death. Nothing but abuse. If you want peace, if you want true happiness, it's in Jesus Christ. God cares very much for you. Just as he cared very much for his son. His very son that, that he gave just for you. So that you would not have to die. I've read where uh, Jesus was beaten with a, with a cat of nine tails, a device that was, uh, that, that, uh, it was a, a whip that had a bunch of, of lashes on it that had bones inside of it, and as it hit you, the bones would stick in your flesh, and then they would pull it, and it would rip your skin. It wasn't enough that they beat him. It wasn't enough they spit on him. It wasn't enough that they mocked him. But now they had to beat him with that. 
And then they had to nail him to a cross. When Jesus hung on that cross, he bled all he could bleed. He, he gave all he could give just for each and every one of us. And on that cross, he bore the sins of all humanity. On that cross, he bore each and every one of our sins. The sins that we've done, the sins that we're going that, that to commit each and every day. And I want you to know something. The Bible says that if any man says that he is without sin... He is a liar, and he makes God a liar. Amen. Now, I'm not a perfect preacher. I'm not a perfect man, but I can lead you to a perfect Savior. I can lead you to a, to a Savior who loves you enough that he would lay down his life for you. As Jesus hung on the cross, as he bore our sins, the Bible is very clear that God cannot even look on sin. Amen? Amen. He has to turn his face from sin. And on that, on that cross, for that split moment, Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthini, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I don't believe for one second that God had forsook him. But I'll tell you who did forsake him. That was all the disciples, everyone who followed him. The Bible says that uh, when Jesus was arrested and, and they marched him into, uh, into Jerusalem, it says all who followed him had forsook him. And we want to sit and think that uh, God doesn't know our pain. We want to sit and think that God doesn't know where we're coming from. We want to sit and think that God doesn't know our circumstances. God has endured anything that we've endured. His son has endured more than we will ever endure in our lives. Elijah, I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. We'll make this real quick. Elijah, yeah, we, we think we think about how, how perfect life is as a Christian and, and how God's how God's always got our back and we never have to go through anything and, and if we are going through it then, uh, then then God must not have been in it right that's how that's how we that's how we want to believe a lot of times try telling that to Elijah a man who, who God has sent to uh, to live to, to live by a brook and have a dirty bird come and feed him a raven Elijah had to put his trust into God. That God is going, to, is going to send this bird down to him every single day to bring him food. And then once the brook had dried up, God sent him to a, to a woman. And as he, as, he, uh, as he approaches the woman's house, the woman is out, is, is out picking up sticks. And this story breaks my heart. And he says, can I have a glass of water? And she had no problem with that, no problem whatsoever. He said, while you're in there getting my water, uh, you care to make me some bread? There was the issue. Because during this time, they'd been in a great famine. Just, just like with uh, Ruth and Naomi. During this time, uh, they, they, they were doing without food. They were doing without water. They, they, were, they, were, they were making things work. Whenever, whenever things couldn't work, they were making it work. 
And these are God's chosen people. These are the very people that should have been saying, you know, you know if, uh, if God's with us, then why are we going through all this? But there's always a miracle in the breaking. There's always a miracle in your circumstances. There's always a miracle uh, on, on the breakthrough. Don't lose sight of God. And this woman, as he asked for bread, she says, I, she says, I, I can't do that. I'm out here picking up sticks so that uh, uh, so, so me and my son can have one last meal and then die. That was her future. That, that, that's what she's seen for her future. For her and her son was to die. They're going to eat and they're going to die. That's it. Don't bother me with it. Don't bother me with your, with your bread. Let me get you some water, but don't bother me with nothing else. And we know the story that, uh, uh, that she did that and God had, God had supplied for them. And then we know the story about Elijah, how, how, how he, he was up against uh, 450 false prophets of Baal, a total of, of 850 men, and how, how they, uh, uh, they, they brought wood for the sacrifice, and, uh, and, and their God couldn't, uh, could, couldn't light the fire, but then our God had, uh, had, had stormed down a fire from heaven to, uh, to, to, to uh, burn this, uh, this sacrifice, this wet sacrifice. And then word gets back to Elijah. The Jezebel wants him dead. Can you imagine having to run and hide for your life because of something that you did for God? Can you imagine fearing for your life because of something you did for God? I don't think that any of us could ever put ourselves in that position. I really don't. And Elijah was just done. The Bible says that Elijah sat underneath a juniper tree. He wanted to die. He said, God, take me. I'm no better than my ancestors. Take me. And the Bible says that, uh, that, that he fell asleep under the tree and an angel came and, and an angel had brought him water and had prepared bread for him over the open fire. And then we know the story how, how he was waiting at the bottom of the mountain and, and uh, he, sent, uh, he sent his servant up to see if there's rain and, and the servant comes down seven times and says, on the seventh time the servant says, I, I see rain. But can you imagine the other six times? Here's Elijah. The Bible says that, uh, uh, that, that he was in this weird yoga, yoga position where, where he was squatted down with his, uh, with, with his, with his elbows on his knees and, 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 and his hands were in his face. And he says, go up to the mountain and tell me if you see rain, because I hear the abundance of rain. And he just got done slaughtering 450 men, probably covered in blood and guts and everything else. Can you imagine the servant coming down for that first time? Uh, hey, Elijah, uh, I know you hear the, the abundance of rain, but, man, I just, you know, I, I mean, I, mean I, I believe you, but. And then Elijah says, go up there one more time. Go up there one more time. Go up there one more time. It's not always going to be easy for us. And the Bible doesn't tell us it's always going to be easy for us. But he does say that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus said it's expedient. It's of utmost importance that I go. Because when I go, the Comforter will, come, will, will, will descend down onto you, will, de, will, will descend down into your hearts. Because see, before, before Jesus had died, 
The Spirit of God was only around people. And it wasn't until Jesus that was crucified and, and, and died and, and uh, laid in the grave for three days and, and, and was resurrected on the third day that the Spirit of God could, uh, could indwell in people's hearts and men and women's hearts. It's expedient, he said. It's important. I will not leave you without a comforter. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not, I will not leave you. All right, if our musicians will come up, I'm going to let you all off the hook now. I want to thank Brother Jonathan for coming this morning and the Maxis. Um, you know, talking about being bitter, being a bitter Christian, about holding on to things. A lot of people don't know this, but I was, I was called to preach when I was about 27 years old, which is about two years ago probably. And, uh, and uh, anyway, um, some things that happened in the church. We, we were babes in Christ. Uh, we got offended. We left the church. And, uh, uh, you know, our, our life just went haywire at this point. And uh, my wife had left for a while and, uh, and, and I had experienced life a little bit. And... Uh, so I turned, I kind of, uh, not that I turned my back on God, but I was holding on to a promise from God that he was going to restore my marriage. He was going to restore our life. So five years goes by, and uh, my wife is still living the same life. And, and I know she doesn't mind me sharing her testimony, but, but she was, a, she was a, a addicted to meth. She was uh, addicted to uh, Xanax, was addicted to wine. And, uh, and, I, and every night I'd lay there. You know, it, it, it was like the, uh, the song, Sound of Silence. I become my theme song every day. Hello, darkness, my old friend. You know, I was trying to hold on to the things of Jesus Christ for these five years. <clears throat> but after so long, hope starts to diminish. Five years without, without going to church because I thought if I go to church and I'm creating a, a separation between, between me and my wife, I'm pushing her out if I go to church. If I, if I start proclaiming God, you know, boldly to her, I'm going to push her away even further. I knew that the only way I could keep our marriage together was by staying silent. So five years goes by, and I'm to the point now to where I've almost lost all hope. On a Sunday afternoon, there's a knock at our door. Heather and I were putting our Christmas tree up. And uh, Elmer Smith and Josh Maxey had, had come by our house that day. I, I didn't know Josh Maxey at all. Uh, I knew Elmer, but, uh, but not, not Josh. And uh, anyway, we're, we're putting our Christmas tree up. We go to the door. And, uh, and up to this point, the preacher from that church had been knocking on our door like every week, like to the point I was fixing to call the sheriff's department to uh, get a restraining order on him because he just would not leave us alone. And uh, he, would, he, would, uh, he would leave a card on, on, the, uh, on the door saying, Brother, God's got you on my heart. Brother, uh, I got a burden for you. Brother this, brother that. And I'm like, okay, I'm calling the sheriff. One more card, and I'm calling the sheriff. So here comes these men of God knocking on my door. We're putting our tree up. We got Christmas music playing, so we can't really hide. Like when the, when the when the pastor would come, when the pastor would come, we, we would close the blinds, we we would shut the lights off. But now we got music playing. We can't we can't exactly hide. So we open the door to uh to Elmer Smith and Josh Maxey. And I hear uh, I hear Josh talking talking to my wife about about the Lord. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's a lost cause. You're you're, you're beating a dead horse here. And uh. Anyway, so uh, so we so we we talk about the Lord a little bit, 
and uh, it's Sunday afternoon, and, and they they gotta get back to church because church is important. So they got they got a, they got more more houses to knock on and and, uh, and all that. So they gotta get back to church. So as they're leaving, Josh Maxey says, okay, he's like uh, he's like, hey, you guys can either stay here and put up your Christmas tree and be like, yay, our Christmas tree's up, or you can come to church with me tonight and you can learn about who that tree is about. And after after he left, me and Heather sat there. We're like, okay, I think we probably need to go to church tonight. And uh, but I, but I pray I praise the Lord for for Josh Maxey because I wouldn't even be standing up here this morning had had it not been for for a man of God to come by my house that day. All right, brother. Oh, you gonna play the piano? Oh man, I thought God done performed a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just as I am. These altars are open this morning. If you're broken, you know we we was talking about using the word brokenness. If you're broken this morning, if you're if you're at a place in your life where it feels like that that God's not listening to you, if you feel like you're in a place in your life where you feel like you're all alone, I want you to come here and pray this morning because I want to pray with you personally. And I want you to understand God knows what you're going through and he cares about what you're going through this morning. You are not alone. If you're burdened this morning, don't don't leave here with that same burden. If you're feeling heavy this morning, don't leave here with that. Jesus said, come learn of me, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. If our ushers would come come forward.